And um, I'd like to direct your attention this morning uh, to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 2 and verse 21. Amen. 1 Peter, chapter 2 and 21. Uh, you get to reading and preparing for a service like today and finding out that there's not just one particular area that talks about the crucifixion and talks about the death, burial, and resurrection, but there's a, a host of scriptures. It's throughout. It's actually throughout even, if you, if you will, the Old Testament as it uh, foretells uh, of the coming uh, Christ and everything pointed to the, that day when he would uh, die and uh, be buried and be resurrected and, and everything after... Amen. Uh, let you know what was what happened and what that meant for us. But first Peter chapter two and verse twenty one says, for even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not. But committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That's talking about the cross. That we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And I had a number of other verses I was going to read, but because God works this way, and, and probably because of the day it is, Brother Walmer read some of my scriptures, and Brother Paul read some of the other scriptures, so we'll save it on time here this morning. And uh, hopefully you were able to capture what was taught, talked about um, a few moments ago. Uh, but i like to talk for a few moments on this uh, simple thought, implications of the cross, implications of the cross. If you would just set your Bible down, let's let's ask the Lord to talk to us today and to speak to us for a few moments. God, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you for all that you have done, everything that you are. We give you praise and glory, asking you to anoint me, Lord, as your servant, that I could speak as the oracles of the mouthpiece of God, and on every heart and every mind, dear Lord, to receive your word, that the word of God would be able to take root in our lives and in our souls, and we will not fail to give you glory and honor. And everyone say, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Historically, the cross was, and in many ways, still is a symbol of death. Uh, the cross has not changed its nature. It still remains an instrument of death, but also termination. Uh, the cross terminated the influence. It terminates the influence of the world in our own lives. The term the world that we use here in church uh, maybe it is a uh, little bit of jargon, if you will, that we use around the church talking about the world. And to somebody that's not familiar with scriptures, I want to uh, clarify what that means when we talk about the world. The world, the term the world denotes and describes the entire system of sensual impulses and concepts that drive people 
to produce and enjoy things that are only encapsulated in time. It embraces the greed of lost mankind. It is sensual and fleshly lust and pleasure, which gives birth to mammoth industries of entertainment, including sports, Hollywood, drug dens, houses of prostitution. The world is a system of power channels powered by pride and human ego. And on the cross, amen, for the sake of time, I'm going to assume that uh, many of us have heard the story about the cross and what that uh, it, what that uh, represents and the emblem of what it is. Uh, it is that place on which uh, the Lord Jesus laid himself down upon the cross and was crucified to that cross, was nailed to that cross and took upon him uh, your sin and my sin and he paid the ultimate price. And perhaps to Peter, you didn't have to go there, God. You don't have to do that. Amen. But the Lord must needs, amen, have given his life. The cross is a symbol of the divine confrontations of life. The cross is a is the symbol of divine confrontations in life. Just as that vertical beam that we know in the cross, just as that vertical beam that goes from uh, the south to the north, uh, amen, uh, each life is... Uh, just as that vertical beam is crossed by a horizontal one that goes from east to west, if you will, on the horizontal plane, representing, amen, the intersection of that horizontal or the human race is where we are today with that vertical one is where God exists. And it is, a, it is an intersection, if you will, of uh, the human and the divine. It is where God enrobes himself in flesh and takes upon his back our sin. It is uh, that vertical being crossed with that horizontal one. And each life that is here today is lived either at that horizontal axis of fleshly lusts and desires. It is either lived on that horizontal plane, amen, or it is lived on that vertical axis, which is alignment to God's perfect will. Amen. It is in perfect alignment with God's will for our lives. That horizontal one is filled with the uh, the flesh and selfish wishes and selfish desires. Amen. But that vertical axis is direct connection with from humanity to divinity. It is connection from the earthly to where, where we are today to that heavenly yes. where God is today. Thus the cross ever symbolizes the act of decision making. And this is a part of our lives whether we realize it or not. The cross. We can either continue to exist only on a horizontal axis. Or we can choose to get into that perfect vertical alignment with God. And we can allow His will to contradict our lives and to confront us. So that on our horizontal living, we find ourselves looking up and say, What does God have in store for my life? What does He have in store for my life? Continuously, we are either uh, we are either crossing out uh, our selfish interests or crossing out God's purpose for our lives. The cross is a confrontation in our lives, and you either are crossing out your own selfish desires and ambitions that you might do His will, or you are crossing out the will of God that you might do your own will. Amen. There are there are decisions that are have that have to be made. 
There are decisions that have to be made. When Jesus faced the tension and the conflict of the cross, he showed his honesty for his personal preference. There's nothing like being honest in God's presence. There's nothing like somebody that comes to an altar and just says, God, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm struggling with this message that's preached. I'm struggling, God, with doing your will. This is the, I've got a flesh of mine that wants to do its own thing. But, uh, God, I, I'm going to surrender that to you. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with being honest with God. Yeah. Jesus in the garden said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. If it was possible, let it pass from me. If I didn't have to do this, God, if there's another way, let me know right now. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I'm not going to allow myself to get stuck on a horizontal axis where all I'm doing is my own thing. But I'm going to look up and say, God, your will over mine. I want the will of God over my own fleshly will. I want to allow the cross to confront the place in which I'm living today. Not my will, but his be done. The cross of Calvary was, uh, for many in the Jewish faith, it was repulsive. We look at it today, and, uh, you know, so a lot of people, they, they generalize the cross so much that it almost doesn't even have as much of a meaning anymore. Because people wear it around their necks, and they wear it, uh, you see it everywhere, and you think, oh yeah, it's a cross, you know, and not really fully uh, getting a hold of, of what took place and and brother Walmer so eloquently let us know some of the more details of what happened as Jesus was crucified but the cross of Calvary was repulsive and even it was deeply offensive to the Jewish people this is because it contradicted their the image that they had in their mind of how their coming conquering king was going to display himself to see uh a king on a cross was repulsive and offensive to them because all their of their life, all of the young Jewish person, they've been taught that it's going to be a conquering king that's going to come and it's going to save us. But they didn't fully understand what that meant and it wasn't uh, fully revealed to them. Uh, and so they, they believed he would be a liberating conqueror. That's why a few uh, chapters, uh, there's, a, there's a part in the Gospels where uh, Jesus was riding into town on a donkey and they began to cast branches uh, over uh, in, in his pathway and they began to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were ready to crown him king and establish his kingdom right then and there. But it was a different kingdom than what God was picturing, what God was imagining. Right. When John the Baptist no doubt began to preach in the wilderness, they could almost hear the marching feet of the king and his, his subjects coming down the road, but instead in the center of the road leading to their dreams, amen, a cross rugged and ugly and real was planted in the middle of the road. And instead of a victorious Christ as they saw it, they were given a shamed, a beaten, and a crucified Christ. The preaching here today may not be what you thought it would. You might even find it offensive today, some people here. But the preaching of the cross has always been countercultural. It has always gone against the tide, against the grain of what mankind thinks it ought to be. But the Bible does declare the preaching of the cross is what we need in our lives. 
And it is the only thing that can bring the true lasting change and healing and direction that we need in our lives. It is still the preaching of the cross, amen, that this world is so desperately in need of today. Amen. It may not be exactly what you thought it would be on this Sunday morning, amen, but the preaching of the cross is timeless, amen, and it is yet also timely. It is exactly what we need today, amen, but it also it also transcends the realm of time. Amen. It is something for all of time. Hallelujah. To say that God is love. To shift gears here for a moment. To say that God is love is to say that God is vulnerable. We know also that God is perfect. And he desires to perfect the people that he loves. The people to whom God loves can choose to accept or reject his invitation to love and perfection. This is also this is so because love occurs in freedom and God is not indifferent when people exercise their free choice and they choose to reject his love. But because love desires harmony. God continues to love even in the face of human rejection. That's something that's hard for all of us to do. I could probably I, I could say with without a doubt I love this church. But if I am being beaten and scourged and whooped and and, and just utterly being abused for the sake of the church, you start to really wonder, man, do I really love this church? Or your spouse or your kids or whomever that's precious in your life. You begin to think, I, 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 I really love that person that I'm willing to take on all of this for them. That's for somebody that we love. We might struggle with it. I love you, Brother Nate, but if, man, if I got to get beaten and, and battered and bruised for you, I'm going to start to think, ah, yeah, it's going to make you think. But on the, on the opposite side of the spectrum, if it's for it, someone that you hate or someone that hates you, Someone that's cussing you out outside the building and they're slashing your tires and, and they're, they're saying this about your mom and that about your... You're like, hey, wait a minute. But he did it. He did it for us. He did it for us. The cross is uh, not only necessary for salvation today. As uh, Brother Paul talked, alluded to a few moments ago, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection... Uh, is symbolic of a repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infill of the Holy Ghost and, and following that pattern. And we still need that today. Yeah. Amen. As he was, uh, as he was, uh, as he died upon the cross, we are re- we need to repent of our sins and we die out to the old man. Uh, and as we, as he was buried in the ground, Amen. We need to be, as the Scripture says, buried with him in baptism. And as he rose again, we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and, and encounter resurrection power and that pattern of the gospel is still for everybody in this place today it's for it's for people of all skin colors it's for people of all financial statuses it's for people of all walks of life it's for everybody it's for you and for me hallelujah and today if you will i believe the shadow of that old rugged cross is falling on us today 
If you can, in your mind, picture and imagine uh, being at that place of crucifixion, being at that place where Jesus uh, was uh, put into, uh, he was nailed to a cross, and then they lifted up that cross, and it slipped into that little that little groove in the ground and, and his body fell and, and was hung by the nails. If you could picture yourself on the floor, on the ground, right where he was looking up and him, him looking down at you and blood and water flowing and, and sweat coming down and his body writhing in pain. Amen. The shadow of the cross is falling upon us today on this group of people. So even though we may find ourselves Geographically, an abundant life center on 7th Street at 15465. We are standing, sitting at the foot of the cross, at the foot of Calvary. And that's where we are this morning. And at the foot of Calvary, the ground is level. Everybody comes on the same level. Neither I nor you or anybody else is elevated one above the other. But you're, we're simply two sinners at Calvary. And we simply come to him and say, and we just simply say, I need thee, Lord, I need thee. I need that blood applied to my life. I need that blood that was shed on Calvary. I need it applied to my life. The ministry of that crucified one is still, as the scripture says, both in Isaiah and in the Gospels, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. He is not only wonderful, but he's also a counselor today. Yes. Amen. I'm going to tell somebody he's not only wonderful, but he's also a counselor today. Yes. For all the problems you and I encounter, we face in life. He's a wonderful counselor, the mighty God. We have seen the failure of man's wisdom in its attempt to bring long-lasting psychological healing to people shattered by various abuses and traumas of life. Dr. Hobart Mower, a psychiatrist, wrote, For more than a decade now it has been evident that something is seriously amiss in contemporary psychiatry and clinical psychology. He says, under the way of Freudian psychoanalysis, these disciplines have not validated themselves either diagnostically or therapeutically. Their practitioners as persons have not manifested any exceptional grasp on the virtues and strengths that they purportedly help others to acquire. And this uh, doctor says in the impact of, of the psychiatrist's philosophy of life and conception of man and society as a whole has been subtly subversive. In the past, he said like this, we psychiatrists have often spread the disease that we were supposedly treating. And so there are so many uh, different people that in different walks of life, they, they attempt to treat the disease. But in fact, many times they are spreading the disease. But the, I'm going to tell somebody today, the only way that you find true, lasting, innermost healing for your heart and for your emotions and for your soul is at the foot of the cross. Yeah. It's on your face, on your knees before Him. Say, God, here's my hurt. Here's my pain. Here's my trauma. Here's my issues. There are many hurting and frustrated people in this world. And they carry with them the consciousness of a 
blemished, ineffectual self. They were like very much, though they may not be conscious of it, to put off their unwanted self and begin a new life. Amen. How many times, perhaps in maybe the lowest part of your life, you've said, I want to do something differently. I want, to, I want something new to happen in my life. I'm tired of this place in which I am all the time, this rut that I find myself in. I'm in a rut of life. And so many people realize that they're in this place and they hate themselves. And so many young people, sometimes they cut their wrist and they're trying to experience some sort of reality because they're detached from it and so forth. And they want a new self and a new life, but they don't know the way to get it. The self-help industry of America capitalizes on this psychological reality in our culture by claiming ways of improving your unwanted self to the point that you uh, are acceptable. But the Bible offers and Jesus offers an entirely new identity. He said, Amen, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things, behold, all things are become new. So if you're here today and you don't like the life you're living, if you're here today and you don't like the, 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 the cards you've been dealt with, if you're here today and you're, you're frustrated with the life that you're living and you want something different, you want something new, can I introduce you to a man that's hanging on a cross with outstretched arms saying, I love you, child, and I want to help somebody today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's clap our hands one more time to heal and give it praise. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm coming to a, I'm quickly coming to a close. The loss of self-respect. The loss of self-respect is another need to embrace the cross. You see so many people in this world, and to the flesh, they look appealing, but they've lost all sense of self-respect. Women flaunt their bodies. They devalue themselves. Men live in such a way that they they don't care. They devalue themselves. They've lost self-respect. The prodigal son is an example of a loss of self-respect. Find himself in a pig pen. Eat with the pigs. He lost all sense of self-respect. Many people today live with a sense of distinct individuality. And because of various experiences, they have lost respect for themselves and rejected themselves. I'm going, to, I'm going to say that again. Many people today live with a, with, without a sense of distinct individuality. And because of various experiences, they have lost all respect for themselves. And they've even rejected themselves. And they hate themselves. So they cut on their body. They mark on their body. And they do all these things. And they poison their body with drugs and alcohol. Because they hate the life that they're living. And the pain that they're experiencing in their heart. And they're trying to experience something more but this world does not have it and that answer is only found at the foot of the cross and it's 
at the foot of the cross where Jesus says, Be like me, follow me, be holy, for I'm holy. And words begin to come out to the people's ears and to their hearts. And if they grab a hold of it, they'll find themselves with a new worth, with a new outlook on life, a new self-respect. And they don't have to reject themselves. Oh, but they can accept themselves as tools and vessels and beauty that God has made from ashes. Hallelujah. Jesus was declared by John the Baptist to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose, whose latchet of shoes I'm unworthy to unloose. He, I'm not worthy of this man. The nature of sin is that it separates the creature or the created thing or one from its creator. The nature of sin is death. It is separation. And if you find yourself today uh, feeling distant or feeling separated from that plan that God has for you, then it must be that you deal with the sin issue in your life and you take that sin and that heavy load of shame and regret and hurt and disappointment and you lay it at the foot of the cross and say, God, I'm not going to carry this no more. I want relationship with you. I want connection with God. I don't want to be separated from my creator. Hallelujah. The logic of the cross is death. Our spiritual death. Being canceled out by death. His death. The logic of the cross is strength arising from weakness. Because he died on the cross, we have new life, a new outlook on life. And we have the strength that we need to overcome. The logic of the cross is the wise being confounded by the foolishness of preaching. By the foolishness of the cross. Amen. Today this may sound like a foolishness maybe to the psychiatrist or the, the counselor. Talking about something in such an abstract form. How a God that we've never seen. Amen. Can impact your life. But I'm going to tell you it may sound like foolishness. Amen. But it's the power of the cross that can save a life. That can redeem lost humanity. It's still the power of the cross. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? Jesus. Jesus was the first person, man, the first one to be born from the dead. Through his death and resurrection, he instituted a new order of life. He became, through birth from death, the federal head of a new race, the new Adam. When he rose from the grave on Resurrection Sunday or whichever day of the week it was. When he rose from the dead, he emerged as the new Adam, the second Adam, 
The first Adam in the Garden of Eden that had failed. And, and through him, sin entered into the world. Through the second Adam, through his victory over death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Victory over sin. Amen. And a power beyond measure entered into the hands of mankind. And we recognize the awe and the wonder of the moment when the first Adam, if you can picture it today, the first Adam drawing his first breath. I don't know if you can imagine that in your mind in that Garden of Eden. The first Adam taking his full deep breath. And looking out over the Garden of Eden. And seeing all of the things, amen, that uh, that was under his dominion, under his power. And that first Adam sitting there on the, on the dirt uh, took his deep breath uh, and rose to his feet and looked around. And said, it's the dawn of a new era. Man is in the picture now. It was uh, it was it was uh, all life. It was a radical. It was a radical shift that took place as Adam looked around Eden and saw the beautiful world over which he had been given dominion. But it was no less breathtaking and wonderful when Jesus stepped out of the tomb into the dew of the early morning that first day of the week, and he stepped out with all power and authority. And perhaps in his mind he saw the future, the things, Brother Miguel, you would struggle with in your walk with God, the things, Brother Nathan, you would deal with in your life. And he saw those things, and he said, I'm going to help you. I'm going to make a way for you. And now I can look forward to to the year 2019, where uh, a young Brother Nathan Hall can reach out to me, and he'll find victory. He'll find help. He'll find deliverance. To an old weary earth, he brought a new springtime of new hope and energy. And we sang it earlier, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. The cross and the resurrection is not portrayed as a period or a, a punctuation mark. But it is as an exclamation. It is not a catastrophe, but it is a a victory. It is in some ways not even really a death, but it is a birth. And since then, things have never been the same for humanity after the cross. And just like this world has never been the same since that that time, that period of time, the death, burial, and resurrection, even in this place today, to the soul that seeks him and finds him and, and feels him and reaches out and touches him and gets a hold of him, your life will never be the same after you encounter the cross. The cross is not uh, a subject that is only to be preached uh, in the early 1900s or even the early 2000s. It is a it is a message for all of time, for all of people. That's right. We could, we could, we could take. I could take another hour preaching about the cross and tell you all the things how it applies and, and its applications and its implications for our lives. But in the cross, there's healing. In the cross, there's victory. In the cross, that's self-denial, and it's God giving somebody in this place power to overcome sin. Power to overcome all of the forces of hell against your life. I'm going to tell you today, there are forces at work, even in a service like right now, that they would try to come against this service and throw it off course. There could be people looking at their cell phones, looking at all kinds of things, and distracting.
Jesus going to the cross. Because if somebody makes their way to the foot of the cross, there is healing, there is redemption, there's deliverance that happens in this place. Hallelujah. I want us to lift our hands and close our eyes. I want us to talk to Him for a few moments right now. Lord, we love you today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Shorabakata la la mashata. Okorama sato loko shata. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.